Well, good day, and this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman, and I'm so excited that you are here to join us today to continue on the journey of growing as women and men of God. Men, I, I know you're out there. I see your 10%, so I want to make sure that I'm, <laughs> I call it out and give you guys support because I see 10% of men are listening to this Christian Warrior Woman as well. You do need to understand how our minds work, so I praise the Lord for you. <laughs> but today, I'm excited because I have some Bible study friends with me that are going to share in this subject about the importance of the how we use our words as women before God and with our families and in our community, and how impactful we are in our community. and how important it is that we guard our words and that we use them wisely. And we have many examples in the Bible that we can talk about, but today um, we're going to talk about one woman and her family. And it's really Isaac's family, but we're going to talk about Rebecca. You know, how things can start off like a fairy tale and can turn into a nightmare. And many of us may have seen this in our own marriages and relationships. They start out and then we get in our own way. So today I just wanna thank God for this opportunity to introduce to you two friends. And we've got multiple age groups represented here. We got the Generation X, which is Leanne with Zygmunt, who is on here and she facilitates a Bible study and also is a co-founder of a website and a Facebook page that I'm going to tell you about. And her mom and and Fran, I'm sorry, Leanne has been a single mom and she's now married. And so she can talk from a rich experience of life, of good times, bad times. Unfortunately, all of us can talk through that, can't we? And her mom is on here, which is our pleasure, Miss Fran Mora. And she has a master's in experimental psychological research. And just many years of experience um, with in the in the word and in mentoring and in being a great coach to the body of Christ. So I want to welcome you, ladies. Everybody, cheer! <laughs> Thank you for having us. We we're excited. <laughs> and I also want to mention your Facebook page, which um, just want the audience to know. I will put the link to Pearls and Presents as a Facebook page that they do, which is awesome. And they write articles each month that will surely bless um, each of you. And I'll definitely put a link um, with this podcast so that they can, you know, reap some of the benefits of your wisdom that you guys share and the beautiful writing that I believe some people we won't name need to be working on a book, but. <laughs> that, that that's another podcast <laughs> but um the, the one thing that's really key the three of us are very passionate about the word and do it in in today's world and it's so key for each of you who think the bible is gosh it's hard to understand well today what we're going to talk about is probably the best, um, if you guys were watching Scandal or any of those other um, dramatic episodes on TV, if you really dive into the Old Testament, you will get some really good drama. <laughs> um, and that I, I'm a passionate lover of the Old Testament because 
there's just so many words and good things there that just thrill me to it. And I'm a history person, so I really love the Old Testament. But Rebecca and her sons, who are really grown, but, you know, and Isaac, they form a great dynamic. And if you're not familiar with the story, just go to Genesis 20, um, 27 and just or read, read the whole book. But definitely um, read. You'll be able to hear from the answers and what we talk about. It'll be so great after this discussion if you reread it with the insights you're going to get today, because I think you're really going to be like, wow, I never thought of that or never thought there was so much. Sometimes we read just words, but we don't give time for revelation. And I think um, my ladies today are going to give you things to really think about and how to look at the word even different. When we're looking at Isaac's family, deception, blessings and consequences, there's a lot there that we don't we need to pay attention to to help us in our lives today. So you ladies ready? Yep. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to put them in the hot seat. And nothing's been scripted. I have no idea how they're answering or what they're saying as you normally know. I don't even edit the podcast. I'm not that skilled. Um, so I'm going to let them, we're going to try to do it in a timely manner, but we always let the Holy Spirit just flow and, and do his thing. So we're going to start out, as I mentioned, for those of you not familiar, you know, go to Genesis, you can start 25 and, and just read into 28 and you'll get a good idea of probably what we're talking about today. So I'm going to let you two ladies choose who'll go first with the first question of what character traits um, did you, do you have in common with Rebecca? Hmm. I will go first on this one. Um, I'm gonna claim all of her traits at the beginning when we're first introduced to her. <laughs> uh, her hospitality, um, her willingness to leave her parents home for her marriage. I definitely saw a lot of myself in her um, Maybe not the waiting on God selection so much. I wish I would have done that. I, I did that in my second marriage, not my first one. So I uh, learned my lesson there. But I think it's very fascinating with the characters that we meet in the Bible. You know, um, you know, the more you study God's word, the more you realize the characters you read about are, are for you to be inspired by them or to be cautioned by them. And so I think when we first meet Rebecca, you know, she's an inspirational character for her faith for her hospitality, um, just the way that she, you know, kind of views the world with an open heart. Um, her and her family were very receptive to God's word and the servant's prayer. So I, I liked all of those things. And then obviously as we'll, we'll move into her, um, the recording of her later on in her years, you know, she becomes a cautionary figure for us. Um, what, we're, what we're not supposed to be doing in our marriages, in our motherhood, all of those things. So. Um, but I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I, I didn't have some of the manipulation tactics that she shows later on with her sons. Um, but I, I think overall, I, I really just, I relate to Rebecca so much, um, just in, in all the levels that we, we get introduced to her in the Bible. Awesome. And I, well, I really hooked on mostly to her end of her life characteristics uh, because well <laughs> I'm a little further along in my journey too and uh, but she was a very strong take charge kind of person even from the beginning she went obediently right away when they said will you go I'll 
go. And so she was right with the program. She was did not hesitate. And that took a lot of strength for a young girl to do that. Um, and so I, I see that in myself too, almost to a fault. Um, she's also very resourceful. I mean, look at how she handled her life. And even when she got later on and they got into all the, the trickery over the blessing, you have to admit, um, you couldn't love what she was doing but you had to admire just how resourceful she was and just how all to how she put it all together and so she was definitely an intelligent woman and she thought of every little detail and i i admire that about her i i try to I'm, i'm pretty much like that too i'm a you know cross your t's dot your i's kind of person so i i see that in my and unfortunately I have to also own the bit of her that was controlling. And um, that's something I battle with all the time because I just happen to know all the answers to everything. And <laughs> no, and as Leanne will tell you, she barely gets a sentence out of her mouth about something going on in her life. And I already know everything she needs to do. And um, so I have to really rein myself in on that because just as Rebecca tried to completely control the situation that she knew God had already ordained, she still took the reins, uh, which was not right. And she still, you know, entered into a situation and made it much worse by her behavior. So, so that, that's one thing about her that I, I have to own and admit that um, I really do struggle with um, on a day-to-day basis. Now, question I'm going to ask because it kind of relates to today. Now, Rebecca, she saw what was in the, on those camel's backs. I always wonder. I, I'm always shocked at how she was so willing to go. And I was wondering, was it the bling or was it the, the riches that she knew that Brother Man had waiting in the hills for her? Or what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, it definitely makes you wonder how many camels she had for the <laughs> she was way too happy to water them camels. She said, man, I see gold. I see. <laughs> I know. I was like, what well has she been at? Because I, I haven't been to that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so willful to talk to a stranger. When I was um, doing the study with you guys this time, I was like, I don't know why it hit me. I'm like, she saw who was in the backpacks on that camel. <laughs> and then he gave her the nose ring. It's like, she went home like, look what I got. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so I said, even back then, bling was important to women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when you talked about some of the character traits, I know what one part we didn't hit on, um, the manipulation. What did you, how, how, how do you see how that could relate to your life? When you see how, you know, God can make us, can tell us what he's going to do and I don't, I don't know if you guys are like me. I always used to think I needed to help God. Mm. You know, he said this, so I'm supposed to really do this because this helps what he said. And how when we read it, it's very manipulative. But we also say, well, God to tell her. But how much do we have to help God? <laughs> What did you what do you think of that? Yeah, I thought just the layers of manipulation in this story alone, um, when you were speaking, it just reminded me of the part of the story before the big um, family grand slam sin was when there was the famine and Isaac had taken his family and moved them into Gerar. And um, 
he kind of performed the same repeat generational sin of claiming that Rebecca was his sister, not his wife. And so sometimes I think, you know, we see her in the limelight of manipulation, but she was also a victim of manipulation by her husband. So, you know, I think just the layers of living up under manipulation by a husband. I mean, I can speak to my first marriage. He was very controlling, very manipulative. And so I always understood that, um, you know, that comes at a cost when you're trying to be obedient to your husband versus God. And there was always that tension for me, like, you know, how do I, how do I appease everybody? How do I stand strong on my faith, but also in my marriage when, you know, when someone's asking something of me that, that isn't biblical. And so I think we just see her, you know, as a wife, as a mother, um, and, and in all those respects, we can re relate to her in our humanity. Um, but that just, that story just struck out to me that, you know, there was this history of manipulation in the family. And sometimes I think when you come up under that and that's what's, you know, breeding in your home, that it really can just be a disease that just kind of grows over time. And, and you see that seed in their marriage, you know, there was the manipulation there of faking mm -hmm. their identity publicly when privately, you know, they were obviously married. And so I just think, you know, that sort of thing that breeds in your home, your children pick up on, um, it just kind of has a way of festering out into all of your relationships. So um, I just think, you know, manipulation really is is a deadly disease and it's a dishonor to God and all the beautiful works he's trying to accomplish through us. Yeah. And those generational blessings and can be curses too, mm. that, you know, our children see what we're doing and how we're acting and then they can repeat that. Right, right, they're always, listening and watching right what do you think Fran? thank you Leanne. it's interesting to me about the whole manipulation thing because we well we just kind of made jokes about her possibly manipulating the situation at the well <laughs> um but there's really no you know we don't know that for sure we're just having fun but in the end you know many many years have passed between her them isaac praying for her womb to open and her being blessed with the twins and this situation at the end, we're talking like 70 something years. So it had gotten to a point evidently where the favoritism for each parent to choose a different son was so ingrained in that whole family dynamic. And we're also looking at a point where Isaac is getting older and older and older and he has yet to throw the feast and bestow the blessing upon Jacob. So you kind of have to factor in the whole desperation situation that was happening with Rebecca. God told her what would happen with her sons and who would rule over, you know, rule and get the blessing. And Isaac was also aware of that, but here he is 130 years old. The boys are in their seventies and yet he has yet to bestow the blessing. And so I'm not saying that we should, you know, grant her grace too much grace for that manipulation but on the other hand as women watching a family dynamic and trying to make sure that our family follows in god's word and god's plan and what we know to be true about what he wants us to do you can almost understand how she got to a point where she felt like this has been going on for too long now and and isaac is not you know, going, following the footsteps and following the word of God in terms of the family blessing. So, um, yes, it was manipulation. Absolutely. There's nothing else you can say about it, except that as women who want the best for our families and our children and just the holistic view of families as, as a unit, 
we do have to fight that temptation and and change situations and move things along sometimes so um what she did was not it was understandable in that particular situation so manipulation not great but certainly understandable from rebecca's standpoint at that point in her life yeah because i know i had read that normally you have witnesses to the blessing and i said interesting if there was a witness then he would have he wouldn't have done it because he would have known that wasn't the witness would have known that's not the right son so it's interesting how the lord lets things play out um because why was he waiting you know you know and why you know was he struggling with that decision but so great thoughts ladies on on that one and and even today when as women i know myself i have done things to manipulate i'd have to call it manipulation to make what i want to happen mm-hmm. and or to make what you desire in your heart when it's nothing to do with god it's just whether it could be a job it could be relationships these things that we do even you know with our children especially rebecca we're talking with children when you're a single mom and i have you know coach women who they really are manipulating their children to get something out of the the children's father or ex-husband or you know or we're playing on their emotions to make the other parent feel guilty and all of those things that because the the women are struggling in their emotions about the relationship and their state of affairs they don't realize the message that they're instilling in their children on how to manipulate other people and when they grow to be adults they then reenact what they learned to do and and it really affects their state of mind and their health and how they deal in relationships so what do you guys think about that as what what are some things that single moms can make sure they don't do with their children in the area of manipulation yeah that's definitely a huge struggle um i know it's you know and when i separated and got divorced my daughters were only one and two they were very small so we could get away with some some code names in the house but you know we always had a rule as a family i i moved right in with my parents actually i got separated so we always had a rule that we just talk about things when they go to bed all the legal proceedings all the things the kids would let slip from visits all of those things so i think it's just good to protect their hearts and that was always my number one priority um i know that god has a way of revealing people's motives and um through their own actions and words and so i always i really did faithfully trust that god and i still do of course that god is going to reveal to them you know who who their biological father is i don't i don't need to plant the seeds of judgment and distrust and and project my relationship and my failed marriage uh with him onto them and to be honest you know you look into the eyes of your children and whether they came from a divorce or a you know a thriving marriage that was a blessing to me that was a dream come true that was a gift from god and when i look at them I just want to protect them from all the hurts and and all the the toxic people and all the mistakes. You know, you you want your kids to be better. So, I just feel like God really impressed upon me that, you know, this was a blessing. This was an answer prayer. My children are are everything and that um, you know, to steward them well is to pray over them. So now when they return from visits with their father and they tell me things he said or did that 
scared them or made them uncomfortable, you know, we pray about it. And that's really kind of been my go-to, um, you know, maybe as, as simple as it sounds, we just pray that he would start running to God instead of running to anger. He would start trusting the Lord instead of taking things into his own hands that, um, and I think it's just become a comfort, you know, that, that lets them know, Hey, when it happens in the moment, go pray about it. You know, God is watching, you know, we, we have a way of just training up our children to be aware of the presence of God and to let, you know, God get the glory for that. Um, because the truth of the matter is, you know, their father is a creation of God, whether he realizes it or not, um, whether he acts like it or not, whether I act like it or not. So I think as parents, it's, you know, it's just our duty to steward our, our children well. Um, and I just, I've, I've tried very hard not to fall into the trap of, of saying dishonorable things about their father. Um, number one, because I I don't want them living in a house where we're talking about people and saying unkind things, whether or not they're true. But I think, um, but even more importantly, I, I want them to just know in their heart, you know, they get to determine who somebody is in their life. And, and I really do trust that God reveals things to them. He already has. And so I get to see the fruit of, of trusting and believing and being faithful that that he is going to um, to shepherd them in the way that that protects them, but also blesses them as well. Well, that that's awesome, Leanne, because I know growing up as a child of um divorced parents, separated parents, I always felt like I had to judge who I believed more because I'd have one telling me one thing because they both wanted me to live with them. So I I, I wound up being able to manipulate because I knew he wanted me to move with him. So I get him to do stuff that he would buy me and get me because, oh, maybe he's thinking it'll make me move over here. And then I hear my mom's counter and I think that's what we do. We put our kids in the middle of making decisions they don't need to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I know when my husband and I, which we married twice, and when we separated the first time, we talked about what type of divorce and what type of separation that we always wanted to make sure our children were first. And I could be mad with him and cuss him out in private but I wanted them to always know that their dad was a great person because I wanted them to know that they were, they came from out of love and were great people and didn't want them to question who they were as people. Mm. And, and I, and that's the part that really for us worked that, well, it worked so well that we knew a couple getting divorced and they said they told their attorney they wanted to be divorced like us. And I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment. (laughs) I don't know if I should take that as a compliment. They said, we want you to know. We said, we want to be divorced just like you. Nobody knew y'all were even divorced. And I said, I don't know if that's a good thing, Lord, to be known for. But... But the, that, the part of that was true, that your children still need to, I mean, we went on vacations together, um, stayed in the same room setting, a little odd, but we stayed in the same room together and we did things as a family and even lived together for a number of years separate. We weren't together, but we were together as a family because that was our priority was we may have failed, but our children still came, came first. Now I'm not saying folks have to do that, but everybody has their length that they can go and i think it's still important as you mentioned leanne to protect these young hearts and minds because we don't want them to be raised with these fears and insecurities that we're revealing in our pain of loneliness and and disappointment and to 
really put that burden on our children. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I totally agree. I don't think anybody does it well or as gracefully as we want. I think it's always a learning process. Yeah. There are six and seven now and it's always different. And I think, you know, you, there's a lot of personal responsibility you have for the life that they'll now live. You know, it, it's automatically going to come with some brokenness at such a young age and, and they're already going to have to try over triumph over adversity and that's that's unfortunate but I've just really seen how God has used it so I just want to encourage all the single moms that you know if you're really if you're really aware of the presence of God and you're really um, putting your children into that space with you that God is going to bless it that he he really is going to speak healing words over hearts he really is going to restore dreams that you had for you and your children and your future marriage and life and I just think um, that you know God he's he's the mender of broken pieces and broken hearts and I I just think there's power in that. And when we speak God into our children, we keep bringing God back into the situation. We keep offering God as the resolution to, you know, the the disappointments that we have with how things have succeeded or failed or, or whatever, then I think it just gives them the courage to know that they're somebody who can fix it. And I know it's been a huge comfort to my daughter. Again, I, I haven't done it perfectly. I would, there are many things I go back and, and redo, but I think God just keeps meeting us there in those moments. And, um, and I'm just very, very, you know, careful of, of where you're at and, and what you're saying to your children. And I can't really speak to divorce. Thank you, Jesus. But <laughs> um, as a person that has had to watch it, people that I love, um, I will say the one thing Leanne did a very good job with not, um, pointing out any of their father's flaws and all that. Um, but it was very important not to put any more pressure on them when they would come home from visits by trying to ask questions and gather information because already they, yeah, they were already in this state of nervousness of how do I now reassemble in my family when I've been told these things and not to say, not to say that. So the only thing you can do is not ask. Don't let them come to you and tell you things as they're ready to do it, but not, you know, pounce and say, did you get this? You know, what happened with this? Blah, 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 blah. Because you can just watch them, them just draw up because they don't want to be put in that position of having to, you know, betray the confidence of the other person. And, and it, you, you just have to really, you just have to guard their little hearts and their innocence. Don't make them be a person that you get your information from and certainly don't make them party to how you feel about the other person and what they're not doing right because they internalize that as something that they're responsible for and that's simply something you don't want to do for them. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So ladies, don't be asking, did your father have you around any women? <laughs> did, did your father take you over somebody's house? So we need to, um, we may want to think those things and know those things, but don't make your children the, the person bringing back the gossip. That's what I got from what Fran said. <laughs> but amen. Let's move on to our next question. So we're talking about Rebecca, and I think we touched on it a little bit. Would you say she was obedient to God? <laughs> uh, Lisa, how could you? <laughs> I think 
Um, I think she was in the beginning. That was kind of my initial response. I mean, how incredible that that God opened her womb after 20 years of marriage and that she could go to him personally and receive a prophetic word about the sons inside of her. So, um, but I think, you know, this is kind of often what we see in the Bible and in, in real life right now in current times that that once we get the gift from God, you know, we forget about the giver. Once we get the blessing, we cling to that, but we forget who blessed us. And I think that's what happened here. You know, she got the prophetic word. She understood it was Jacob who was God's selection, um, you know, to carry on through the generations to get to Jesus. So I think what we saw is a dependence on him until she got the information she needed. And then she kind of cultivated her life around um, you know, maybe what outwardly looked like obedience to God, but what inwardly was, uh, you know, revealing the condition of her heart, which is that she was going to help God with whatever his plans were through Jacob. So I would say yes, at first she was obedient. And then I would say that she just completely, um, you know, became God in her own life and to her son. And, and you kind of see how the darkness gets in there. That's, that's honestly Satan's best playground. We forget who God is and we just sit there counting our blessings and lying back in our blessings, but we forget that God was the giver. And um, I think that's that was the number one danger I took from this whole story, especially in motherhood. You know, we can look at our children and just think that they are just the most perfect, beautiful thing, but it's how easy it is to um, manipulate them into doing things um, that, that that could be potentially damaging forever, which honestly is, is what we saw. And that was my favorite thing about the whole passage was that right in the middle of the big family scheme, you know, she's like, Jacob, go get those two, two fine young goats for me. And that. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are on part two. Sorry, we had a little um, technical glitch there. You know, the power was getting so strong with Leanne <laughs> and Fran that, you know, we blew up. Um, Spotify. <laughs> so we have to come back and we were in the midst of a great conversation. So this is part two. So if you guys are starting here, you definitely don't want to start here if you haven't heard part one, because this is a continued conversation with Lee Ann um, and also Fran. So you definitely don't want to start here. This is where you want to come for part two. So we praise God. We are back. And we're going to continue. We left off with Leanne talking about Rebecca sending her son to fetch some some meat. <laughs> and so we are going to um, talk in regards to talking about a woman's words. Um, Rebecca had many words that we can relate to. And we were in great conversation about that. And I think what we decided to do, because we had talked about question two, was she obedient to God? And I think the next question helps bleed those two together, is we're gonna go to question three. And hey ladies, you there? Yep. Yeah, we're ready. Amen. So question three with the fabulous three is how can our words and behavior damage or steal our children's future? Hmm. Yeah, this one is, this one really gets, gets right to the heart of the matter. And I love it. And I think the first thing I thought of when I read this was, 
um, just how how in depth that we've considered our children's future. So I think maybe that is phase one for for anyone who hasn't long term, short term. Uh, daily just consider the future of their child. So I think once you're holding that in your heart and you're pondering it and you're protecting it, it's a lot easier to look at your child and and be reminded of that when you look at them. So I would just um, say that, yeah, all of these things are are potential hazards as mothers and as friends and daughters and every other relationship. So, um, but the story I was telling when we got cut off was that even when we make a mistake, the good thing is God is right there in the midst of it. So in the story, um, Rebecca is telling Jacob, hey, run out and get some goats so I can prepare this meal. And she tells him to go fetch two fine young goats. And I just thought it was so interesting when I read it that God was right there using her own words basically to show her what was gonna happen. And that is exactly what happened. He went out, got the goats, slaughtered them, and then, you know, the blessing all the things you know the events that came after it we obviously want the listeners to go read about it themselves but i think it's just i think it's so merciful of god to keep showing up in the middle of our schemes in the middle of our manipulations in the middle of of the wrong things that we're saying and doing he's always there with his grace to show us hey listen this is what exactly what you're going to do if you keep doing it and as we read in the bible that is what happened she never has the relationship with her sons again, and she basically slaughters the relationships. And I think um, the warning is is right there, written in the Bible, and um, and there definitely is a danger with our words. I, the thing that got me, Lisa, is when you look at how we approach situations and how we model behavior and the things that we say to children uh, in terms of their future. We have to be so careful because if you look at Rebecca, you know, she she really did them harm on two fronts. The first thing is she undermined faith for them. She showed them by her behaviors and her words that God was not big enough to take care of the situation or promote the promise that he said he was going to do. And she took everything in her hands. And the other thing she did is she um, really put their sibling rivalry even to a whole nother level to the point where one brother is plotting to kill the other brother as a result of her words and her actions. And, you know, and then, but the most heartbreaking thing of it is, is when she does this as a mother, she is pretty much telling Jacob that he just isn't cutting the mustard, that God is not going to provide for him the way he said he would. And so therefore she has to do it. So you've got this whole thing of self-esteem going on where she just really undercuts that because of what she's doing and not allowing God to fulfill his own promises to them. So it's a terrible example and it's very damaging to them. And and the, the one thing about the story of Rebecca Um, that I think is dangerous for mothers today is that it's so over the top, so outlandish that you look at it and you cannot see yourself in it. No one can, you know, picture themselves doing deception on that level. So therefore it makes it difficult for the Bible to be an example of how we're supposed to live and speak to our children. But when you really look at it, um, for example, in the last couple of years, we saw that huge scandal of um, parents with money trying to buy their kids into college admission. And so they were hiring these people to make their children into something that they were not. And what were they telling their children? They were like telling their children, you don't cut it. You're not going to make it on your own merit. God is not promote you 
So let's do it ourselves and do it in a deceitful way. So just think, I, I really felt when I was watching all those news stories for those kids, these kids now had to go into some college environment with this kind of a stigma that their parents sort of manipulated and then they had to live that out. And, you know, I would not have wanted to hear how they felt about themselves after that because their parents are pretty much, you know, confirming to them, you're not going to make it. I'm going to have to make it for you because you just don't rate. And that is so, so dangerous, so dangerous. And, um, but even that's such a, a huge example. And, uh, but you know, when, when is the last time you, your child got like um, disciplined at school and you immediately felt something rise up at, that you're going to go to the principal because you're either going to go and make justifications for their behavior, even though you know it was unrighteous behavior, they knew the rules, they broke them, but you still want to go over there and, you know, just break the case for them that they had a right to do it. Or you go and you throw shade on other kids. Well, you know, you're punishing him, but so-and-so and so-and-so were also involved. So that's a kind of deception that again, damages a child's future because they believe that everything they do incorrectly when they knowingly do it, just as Jacob did, there's going to be somebody that's going to champion this unrighteous behavior and excuse it just like Esau. He never took responsibility for what he did because he was just making excuses. Oh, he stole my birthright. He did this. He deceived my father. Woe is me. I didn't get everything I wanted to do and I got caught to to boot and and so when you look at your own life and you think oh man when have I done that when have I excused unrighteous behavior and instead of taking my child aside and saying we don't do this because God expects this from us and that from us and we have to trust him to help us smooth over the things we've done incorrectly instead we do this other kind of behavior that's based on um, manipulation, excuses, justification, and, and that becomes a behavior pattern that really is damaging to the children. Great, great thoughts, ladies. And while you were talking, I thought about, you know, the question says about stealing our children's future, but we're also stealing our future. And unfortunately, this story isn't outlandish in the world we live in now because of the, the words that when we turn, when we think of words and behaviors of believers and in and out of the family and all around us, it's such a, it's such a time of us recognizing our own behaviors in general and relationships with people. So I definitely would agree that as believers, we really have to um, think about how we speak and how we project ourselves in the world to make sure we truly represent the body of Christ and we represent Christ. But when you guys were talking, something that I got from what you said was it made me also think about mothers and fathers. If we look at both of them as examples, you know, a number of times people think when a uh, better family for a child, which I'm not saying it isn't, is to have a mother and a father because they'll be secure and headed in the right direction if they have a mom and dad. And here's an example of a mom and a dad who knew God's ways and both really didn't go there. 
in the direction that God had them. And here they were, supposedly God-fearing people, have a relationship with the Lord, have seen the Lord work miraculously around them, but yet made bad choices. So sometimes for single women who think, well, married couples, they have a huge advantage. It really comes to who's obedient to God sometimes versus thinking you're at a disadvantage because two married people can miss it um, on being obedient to God, but in the end, it's God who holds us, holds, holds us to his word. And not necessarily that we always do what we need to do. And so it just made me think of single women shouldn't think that sometimes one, one on the right track sometimes can be better than two on the wrong track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, I also thought too, just reflecting back to how Rebecca received the prophetic word about her sons, um, that I also received prophetic words about both of my daughters and, um, I just think it is a beautiful secret of heaven that he gives us in in hopes that we will steward it well and that we will foster it knowing that he's already given us a piece of their heart. So I think for any woman out there listening who got a prophetic word for their child, um, you know, or get one now if you don't have one, uh, that I think it's just a really really awesome way to to hold a, a gift from heaven within your child and to just keep speaking those words of life back over them, speaking them, keep posturing yourself to see those um those things come to light and and just give god all the glory along the way and you know and to recognize that when you believe when you start thinking you're helping god to remember that's coming from a place of a lack of faith and insecurity or immaturity and and try to recognize it because i have my past history and i still have to catch myself sometimes helping god with what he's told me he's going to do because sometimes we want to speed it up if some of you are waiting for a husband and you want to speed it up or you want to speed up getting thinking you can get rich faster or whatever tricks out there and it really takes discipline to to hold yourself accountable to what the word says and it really will save you and I can tell you from experience it can save you headaches lost sleep anxiety when you truly wait on the Lord. I don't, I don't, that doesn't mean you don't go look for a job when you need a job because the Lord is going to drop one in your lap. It still means by faith means actions, but not actions that are going to force God's hand. Or if, if you have prayed for something for six months and you don't see God make it happen. So then you think, well, the Lord's not going to do it. So I'm going to make it happen. Um, because I have, even this podcast was, someone gave me a prophetic word over 10 years ago that my voice would be heard in the nations. And I was like, oh, I must be going to be on the radio. (laughs) I immediately went to my own thinking, oh, should I be looking in the radio? (laughs) And and I literally had to tell myself, because that was before podcasting or whatever was, was out there for average folks on your cell phone and I was like when I looked at what it cost to start a I looked into a radio channel and did all of this stuff and then I and then the Holy Spirit had me like just put a halt on it and it was last year the Lord um, it was after a podcast or during a prayer and the Lord brought that word to my memory 
about when I saw the different places in the world that this pod, the podcast was being heard, and I was like, wow, you know, 40-something nations or whatever it was, and then that word came, and that it said, wow, that was 10 years ago. So I know many of you might not want to hear, it could be 10 years, 20 years, or whatever, but, but remember, it could also be one week. And so God is always working for our good if we just can have the patience and the, the discipline and the maturity to just focus on that versus this is what I can do and make it happen today. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always have to put up my guilty sign. Heck, I tell people when I when I do the podcast, half of these are these are the mistakes I've made. <laughs> Not, not the things I've perfected. So I always try to tell people, they're like, oh, I was like, please don't ever listen to this and think that because Christians podcast or preach or teach, it's because they just got saved and was, you know, made in his image and perfect. No, it's just, I'm really trying to help people save themselves years of frustration, stress, drama, and headache um, that I've already been through trying to speed it up and I think all three of us know oh, that one. Yeah, my guilty lights on over here too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at question four. So I which you kind of touched on a little bit. Did Rebecca's sons and as we mentioned in the first podcast, you know, we say sons like these are like teenagers or whatever. These are pretty old folks in their 70s, 77 matter of fact. Um so these aren't like young lads, <laughs> but folks did live a lot longer in those years, 130. So I guess we'll call them midlife around <laughs> 70. But did Rebecca's sons benefit from her words when you look, when you can look back at the passage, um, you know, when you look back, do you think they benefited? Well, Lisa, that that question is that's that's a good question because um when you look at all the dynamic and we've already kind of talked about just how dysfunctional the whole thing was all four of the people involved were deceiving knowing other people in the situation and so with rebecca's words as a mom um you know i i could i tried to find something positive to say about what she was saying to them and I really couldn't because on the one hand you have the one son Jacob who adored her and it was mutual and um, she was very controlling with him even when he voiced that he didn't believe what he was doing was right and he didn't want to be cursed she she pretty much pulled the mama card and said uh, do what mama says and, and we're going to just roll through this so already she's building this anxiety in him knowing that he is not behaving in a righteous way with his father so there's this whole underlying disrespect thing for his father going on um, and for God and then on the other hand you know Esau is always portrayed as the, the villain in this because of his selfishness his greed um but you know i kind of my heart will go out to him a little because here he was very insecure in his mother's love knowing that she preferred jacob 
knowing that she was against him getting the blessing um, for a good reason, because God said it was going to go to his brother. So you have two brothers here, one who's being controlled and manipulated and and coaxed into doing something he knows is unrighteous before God and his father. And then you have the other son who has to be longing for his mother's love, because mother's love is just it's something that you need to be whole. And he did not have that. And we, we see that through the scripture. So I would say, in my opinion, that she, her words really were not beneficial for either one of them. Yeah, I, um, I would agree as well. I think they benefited from a what not to do kind of a situation. And, and I think all of these characters apart from God did not benefit an ounce. And um, I think that's kind of the overwhelming takeaway from all of it is that even in the midst of this gigantic dysfunctional family sin that God was still coming out on top his will was still prevailing he still had a plan for these people of redemption uh, to be worthy to be used in the kingdom which is the merciful gracious part of it all so for me I felt like no they absolutely did not benefit from her words or her actions um, I think they probably understood her, though. You know, by, in their 70s, I'm sure they they expected these sort of words. They expected these sort of behaviors from her, um, even though it, they seemed a little bit unwilling. Kind of interesting how how smoothly everyone just kind of played their played their part, put the skin on the neck and the arms, and carried the plate of food in. And it's just a little bit unnerving when you watch it. But really, that's how it works in a household. You know, you just become so conditioned by people's sin, by people's actions, by people's manipulation that, you know, we only see Jacob kind of questioned once or twice and then he's just, he's overruled. So it's just, it's just very interesting. And then you see his father asking him over and over to confirm his identity. Again, there's just distrust due to manipulation, a history of manipulation in the home. And so it's just, it's very, you know, heartbreaking. However, we're all guilty, we're all doing it. Um, but I think, the takeaway for me is that God's right there. He's right there revealing it. He's right there offering a way. He's right there to say, this is this is not what we do, um, but I'm going to pull you out of this. I'm going to appear to you later in a dream. I'm going to bless your family. And um, I think that's just the beauty of it all, that, that we can still get it wrong, um, but, but that God is still there blessing us in the end. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I've got... I've got one for the two of you because uh, this one is an extra question somewhere in here that there seems to be a connection between Rebecca and Layton on this seems like a family thing that someone told me that I've got to find it that there is a there is a, a message or a teaching that shows um, this generational thing link but isn't it interesting that Rebecca, and we later see Laban, what he does with his daughters, there is like a, it's a family kind of generational thing. <laughs> what would you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> and um, just studying it this week, it, it was really eye-opening that it was definitely in the DNA of these people to just try to manipulate. But again, like you said earlier, it just shows the lack of faith, um, which mind-blowing because these people are encountering God literally time after time. Every time we see them, they're having a God encounter. They're having a servant with a prayer. They're having a prophetic word. They're having 
a divine encounter of some sort um, through some avenue. So it's just interesting that God's hand and favor can be so heavily upon members of the same family, yet there is still this seed running through them evil, um, which again, we all have in our humanity. It's it's not just this family. Trust me, I'm, I'm probably in my family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As, and you know, when you said that, it, it made me think of ministers today over churches that when when they fall and people are like, how could they? They're a, a man of God. It's the same thing that they're still human. And it doesn't mean that we have to be there in support of it, but we should have compassion and know that there is no, um, there are no perfect people, and that even people who are over ministries and and over churches and etc. can still fall into a pattern of sin or fall into a pattern of where they're being disobedient to God, and that we have to have, you know, it's one reason why I always tell people pray for people in leadership over you because the enemy knows if he makes them fall he's gonna make a bunch of you fall. So it, it always hurts me when I see someone, anyone who claims Christianity and, and their sin gets exposed or their church gets damaged or the reputation of, of believers, it always pains my heart. And so just wanna remind people that we are all flesh and blood and we are all flawed and we need support of one another versus always looking to find what's not working or what's not right and to really look at these um these shared stories from god are there for us to learn from and so many times people look at them and they're just like oh that's just back in that day and they really need to pray for revelation because these examples go so deep in so many layers that we couldn't even capture all of it in this podcast. But it's um, it's it can be so eye-opening when we pray for revelation while studying the word. You know, Lisa, um, sorry about that. We had an interloper. Um, one of the things that I love about this story is just how, really how it, exemplifies that a blessing is a blessing and our sin does not cancel a blessing that God has put on us out and that's a beautiful thing to think about because a blessing is forever if God blesses you you are blessed no matter how badly you mess up and things don't go right and you you waste the blessing or you don't steward it very well but a blessing is forever if god says you are blessed if the holy spirit bestows upon you a spiritual gift that you're to use you can fall real far off the grid but that is not taken away from you and these stories of all this kind of manipulation and betrayal and deceit but yet that blessing that god said would be on abraham's family just went on and on and on and that's that to me is the hope and the beauty of these kinds of stories it's just that god remains faithful no matter what we do with the blessing and it's it's just it's still there for us to use and and bring him all the glory that we can bring him um until we get our stuff together and and really start acting right and and step right into the blessing again it just doesn't go away because we're not shepherding it and stewarding it correctly right that's true it's true 
So what what um, final words, Leanne, if you, do, if you have any as well, um, would you want uh, the listener to have captured similar to um, Fran with the overall summary that she felt that she got? And I think you shared some of it before. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to yeah, add Yeah, sure. I think the takeaway for me as a, as a mother is that we should just be living more from our faith, um, that we should just be inviting God into our decisions, into our conversations, um, that we should just pray for the Holy Spirit to be convicting us in the middle of our words, in the middle of our actions, um, that we should be, like you said, praying for revelation for our children and our families. And I just, I think there's just so much opportunity here that we see that God is, he's, he's wanting to bless us. He's wanting to extend generations. And I think if we just hold on to those truths, then we can, we can act from that. We can, for in our Bibles, hey, we're speaking that over for our kids. If we're praying with them, we're depositing that into our kids. If we are believing, if we are calling out miracles, if we're living a life of testifying to God's goodness. You know, I think we just need to start changing little things, little things that we speak, little things that we do. And I think the more that we're just talking about God and his goodness and and all of those things, it's going to translate to our children. And I think it's really going to um, empower their future instead of rob it. So that is my prayer for me and my daughters and the listeners and everybody here that we would just start speaking more of who God is and why that matters and then let him take control of the situations and the things that we're doing inside of our homes and beyond. Amen, amen. And and I know that um, Fran and Leanne know this, that I have compassion for Esau, even though a lot of folks like to blast Esau because the Lord in this study really um, showed me the emotion that when we say things out of emotion and do things out of emotion, that it comes from woundedness, whether it's via divorce, whether it's via one parent, the parents didn't give you the attention or the love or the what you needed, that you can look back and at your, the decisions you've made. And if, if, you, if you follow the study and read the word, you'll see the things that Esau does. Is it for spite? Is it for love? Is it in rebellion? Is it, but it's what he's really craving is love. And all of us want that. And all of us have some woundedness throughout our lives, whether it's job, marriage, family, you know, sibling, rivalry, whatever it may be. But if we could recognize and capture those emotions and really give them to God and not give them when we lash out to others or or allow our lives to be ruined by being overly emotional about the pain that we're just walking around with. I always say when people said, you know, it's in, you know, you carry it in your gut, but you really got to release it so that you're not a victim and you're not being held down by it and weighed down by it because people can see it on you. They can hear it in the tone, Mm -hmm. how you talk, how you walk and your whole demeanor and people think that no one sees it, but they can smell it on you. They can hear it in the yeah. tone of how you talk. And you're turning away love that could come to you because you're just, mm-hmm. you're like a skunk. <laughs> people around you got what a stinking thinking, stinking attitude, and it's all stuff from the past. So if we really try to live in the word with the Lord, renewing our minds, 
renewing our demeanor, renewing our behavior every day, that we can draw more of love toward us versus folks moving away from us. And we, you know, I have people tell me, oh, they're lonely, oh, they're this. And then when you have conversations, you can hear why they're in that state. And, you know, we want everyone listening to reap the benefits of having Christ in your life and not to live like you're an isolated, lonely person, but to live as a fruitful person that has an abundance, abundance of healthy emotions, friends, support, and, you know, a community of believers. So I hope that on this first part and the second part that you've really gained some insight. And I want to thank um, Leanne and Fran for um, really sharing from their heart and really sharing some key nuggets that you can walk away from and really look at how you talk and walk before your family and before Christ and do it in an empowered and in a warrior manner. Um, And I'm just so grateful for them sharing and caring and being a part of this because I think it's just, it's like the first step of recognizing your behavior and who you truly want to be and the light that you want to shine. Amen. (laughs) So thank you, ladies. And we, um, I'm sure you'll hear from my my ladies again on another subject. Um, (laughs) We like talking about the words of a woman and how we can impact and bring change to our families and our homes. So any um, any last words of prayer or any word that you guys may have gotten that you want to share with the listeners um, before um, we go? Just, just I would like to pray for a blessing over all these moms that are listening, Lisa. And uh, being a mom is a hard thing. And, and uh, you have to not only be mindful of your place with God, but the place and the future of your children with God. And it's a lot of responsibility. So Lord, I I lift these ladies up to you and Holy Spirit, just come blow through their homes, blow through their, their environments and their communities and just imbue them with extra strength to carry on and to just with an extra ear to hear everything the Holy Spirit has to do, do and say and to it for encouragement, just to just give them that inner strength and that inner peace about things that are not going well, things that they are trying really hard to implement in their homes. And just Lord, just let them feel empowered and encouraged in how they do glorify you every single day and how just their love and their willingness and their desire to please you and to bring new futures and new saints into the world lord just bless that just bless them and their families amen no i was sorry did i cut you off amen (laughs) (laughs) amen and i was gonna say for those listening um I'm going to attach to the both podcasts, the Pearls and Presents um, link that's on Facebook, where um, they write a monthly um, encouraging letter to women and men um, that I think you'll find um, enlightening and insight, you know, exciting and, and just 
getting words of encouragement and starting to build those messages that you want implanted in your spirit each month. So we will have that attached to the podcast. Outside of that, thank you, Lisa. We are. Yeah, thank out. you. Bye, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you.